Hello, I'm Pete Toriello. And I'm Maureen Toriello. And this is the Sonic Boomers Podcast. We're on the air for five seconds. And I've already adjusted Maureen's microphone. Control control freak. (laughs) Only because I'm trying to get optimum sound. Of course you are. That's why. That has nothing to do with control. Our listeners deserve the very best. They deserve the very best. This week's show... But they have to settle for us. (laughs) (laughs) This week's show, we're talking about, is there a future for public education in America? And do you feel that there needs to be more discipline in the public schools. What I'm disappointed in is a few weeks ago, we put a couple of posts up on Facebook asking people that very question. In fact, we had to rephrase it because the first time we had no responses. Mm -hmm. The second time, I think we had like three responses. So... Your response to the question, do we need to have more discipline in the public schools, your, the silence of your response has been astounding. And I'm trying to figure out why. My, I have a theory. I, I just okay. think that most of our baby boomers are past the age where we're dealing with kids in school. And our, you know, our kids are raised, our kids are adults, they're raising their own kids, and uh, we don't have much interaction with the school system, so the only thing we can go on is what, what happened to us, and that's not necessarily current. See, I'm always looking for the underlying motive, mm-hmm. and my concern was that people are afraid. If you're a teacher, you're afraid to say something. If you're a teacher, you kind of have to toe the line with what the union tells you to say. And I think parents might be afraid of school boards, might be afraid of the schools. I don't want to say anything. But we, we offered them anonymity. So. We did, and nobody said anything anyway. Right, so I, we I, had I don't th- think that's... Three, that's maybe four. That's why I don't think the fear factor is a factor. Okay, I hope I hope you're right on that, and I'm wrong, because I because that would be the first time would be ever. the first time I've ever been wrong. Uh, <laughs> but no, I did find it troubling that I felt it was an important question, and people just let it die on the vine, and I mm-hmm. was like, "What the hell?" Yeah, yeah. So, what do you think? You now we should point out that Maureen is a former parochial school teacher. Correct. And I have never taught a day in my life. I'm not, I'm not a teacher. So that's where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. Maureen was a product of the Catholic school system. I was a product of the public school system. By and large, yeah. for me. I mean, yeah. I, I went to public uh, high school. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the rest of the time was a parochial education. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I think that there's... Um, the, the discipline thing is a good question to start with because um, obviously there's been a wide sweep since the time when we were in school. I mean, I can remember 
teachers actually using corporal punishment. I can I had a second grade teacher that had a yardstick, and she used it so much that it was like a piece had split off, and it was like a handle for her, and she used it liberally, whether you deserved it or not. And uh, I remember uh, the principal uh, have a she had what she called the board of education. It was a paddle, and she would go down the halls making it echo as she slammed the walls to scare us, you know. So, I mean, I, I, that's the kind of discipline that I was subjected to. Thankfully, I was the goody-goody and didn't, wasn't on the receiving end of it, but I witnessed it. I did ask uh, in our question, were you ever manhandled mm-hmm. as a student? And we had a few, and we're not going to mention anybody's names. We're not going to mention any teachers' names. We're not going to mention any respondents' names. But we did have a few people, and I think they were all in parochial school. Not that the, not that the issue is particularly germane to parochial mm-hmm. school, because I'm sure it happened in public schools too. But most of the people that responded that they were mistreated or manhandled were parochial. Now, I can tell you in the public school that I went to, I can think of two teachers mm-hmm. who were either mentally or physically abusive that I saw with my own eyes. Right. And I, I think the Catholic schools probably got away with it more because they weren't under any government uh, you know, observation. They weren't subject to any the same rules. And so they, a lot could get slip, you know, slip under the behind-the-radar kind of thing. Do you think that part of it, too, was the fact that the people that raised you and me, mm-hmm. that that generation put priests and religious up on a pedestal, that they were incapable of error, that they were incapable of doing wrong? That is part of it, but interestingly enough, the teacher that I spoke about with the ruler was a lay teacher. Oh, okay. So it was not necessarily only the nuns and the priests that you had to fear. I mean, there were teachers that were just as ruthless and just as scary. I remember in, uh, I think I was in first grade, first or second grade, and there was this woman, and she was an older woman, probably in those days in the early 60s, maybe she was in her late 60s, mm-hmm. and I saw her slap a kid for talking in line in a public school. Mm -hmm. And I remember her face to this day. I remember her name to this day. Again, we won't mention names. I had a, saw another teacher who would have a temper tantrum over a student who was misbehaving and would just go over and flip their desk over Mm -hmm. onto the floor and scatter everything onto the floor. And I saw same teacher one day go into, we had like that row of closets in the back of mm-hmm. the schoolroom for your coats. And he went into those closets. I think there were like five, one for each row. Opened them up and just threw everybody's coat onto the floor in a public school. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, 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 think it, it, I think it goes beyond public Catholic. I think it, it was a mentality at the time. I think... Um, you know, our parents were not necessarily as educated as today's parents are. 
I mean, my, my mother had a high school education, and that was considered pretty darn good. My father went to college. But, um, you know, the majority of our parents, maybe if they were lucky, they had high school. So they valued and they respected teachers because they figured, well, they went to school, they had more education, they must know what they're doing, they must be right. And, you know, that was kind of, I think, the mentality that went, went with it. Interestingly enough, though, you fast forward 20 years from the time we were, like, in first grade to when I was teaching, and suddenly it was a whole different ball game. You were expected, I taught in the Catholic school, you were expected to maintain discipline, but you couldn't give them excessive homework. You couldn't keep them after. You certainly aren't going to hit them or anything like that. Um, you couldn't, you know, embarrass them. You couldn't segregate them. You couldn't put them in the corner. But you were supposed to maintain discipline. Yeah. And I think that's where it broke down for me because I was lousy at it, truthfully. I think I was a good teacher. I was creative. I was compassionate. But as far as I had no clue as to how to maintain discipline with all those restrictions and And I think that tied. teachers today will, will say to you, we were hired to teach. We were not hired to be disciplinarians. And that's true. That is exactly true. But I submit to you, that maintaining discipline and order in the classroom is part of the job. It is part of the job, but you're not taught how to. No. No. And you're afraid to because, like you said, society is so so prone to litigation mm -hmm. that right away they want to sue you for, for everything. Right. You know, you criticize the way that their kid wore their hair or something. They, want, they get lawyered up and they want to sue the school yeah. system. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's a large reason why I got out of it. I just yeah. didn't want to... And you I, got no support. Right. You got no support from administration. So, I mean, I really, at, you know, after a while, I was like, it's too scary. I, I don't want to wind up in prison over some kid's false accusation. Yeah, or sued. Or sued, or bankrupted, or anything. It just wasn't worth it to me anymore, and I couldn't achieve what I wanted to do. I mean, I, I was scared to death in school, when I was growing up, and I wanted to be the teacher that the kids felt comfortable with. I wanted to be the fun, creative class that people that the kids couldn't wait to go to, and I wasn't allowed to do that. And I, I you know, it, it fell short for me. And after a while, I just I went on to something else. See, I haven't seen the inside of a school since I got out of college, right? So I don't know exactly what's going on inside the schools today, mm -hmm. but. Some of the teachers that we know, again, who will remain nameless, have kind of indicated that it's a freaking zoo. And you've got kids who have their, their phones with them, and they've got their face buried in that phone when they should be paying attention to the lesson. And if you say something to them, you get a smart mouth answer mm -hmm. back. And if you try to take the phone from the kid... Mommy and Daddy want to sue you because, well, what if a shooter came into that school and my kid is trying to, to reach me and tell me? How dare you take that phone away? Well, you know what? If your kid would get his damn face out of the phone and pay attention to what I as a teacher am trying to do, I wouldn't have to do this. 
Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I don't agree with taking the phone away because I, I, I think the parents have a valid point there. We disagree on this, I'm going to be the unpopular guy on this, I know, because I think if a kid, you know, you give the kid two or three warnings. Mm -hmm. If you keep your face in that phone and you're not paying attention, I'm going to take it. The third time you have to speak, give me the phone. You get it back when class is over. But now, give now, me the phone. Now, to me, I think it's just very simple. When the kids come in, you tell them, okay, hold up your phone, see who has phones. Okay, put them on your desk where I can see them, turn them off. Anybody that touches them, you're getting penalized or, you know, something. Yeah. But you keep them out where the teacher can see it, and you would, you would immediately see if they were looking at it because they'd have to be picking it up, and you, could, you have a view of your classroom, and I think that it's a fairly simple solution. See, I, I think that there needs, there needs, there needs to be more discipline in the classroom. No doubt about it. And I'm just wondering if this is something, if these issues, disrespectful students, students not paying attention, uh, weapons in the schools, who the hell would have thought when you and I were in public school or high school that you would have to have armed guards in a school and metal detectors worrying about some kid bringing in a gun and shooting up the place? Mm -hmm. We That was the farthest thing true you know i think when you and i were in high school in the little red schoolhouse <laughs> which was a mile walk uphill in both directions <laughs> the biggest thing that i think ever happened was you know some kids locker got raided and they found pot yeah. or something yeah. that was about it yeah i remember when i was in high school they finally hired a security guard it was like a really big deal that you know that that they felt like they needed to to have the security guard, and I don't, I, I honestly now don't recall what the impetus was to hiring him. And my high school was quite large; it had wings and everything, three floors high. Yeah, one guy. <laughs> you know what was he going to do? You know, um, they they kind of positioned him at the main entrance, so I guess. He would question somebody coming in if he thought that they were, you know, suspicious, and he would, you know, point them towards the principal's office. But I, I honestly don't know what they thought the one guy was going to do. <laughs> but do they have these issues in, let's say, I, I would expect to see them in large cities, mm -hmm. but do they have these issues in Podunk, Iowa, town of... 5,000 people. Yeah, I have no idea. You know, do, do they have this issue out there? What is a classroom in Podunk, Iowa, like versus a classroom in Maplewood, New Jersey, or Oldbridge, New Jersey, or Newark, New Jersey? Mm -hmm. or, you know, how do they differ? Yeah, I have no idea. Is it is it a, a problem that is system-wide across the entire American school system, or is it a more localized kind of a thing? Yeah, I, that I, I couldn't couldn't tell you with any authority uh, other than just it seems that kids in general seem to have been brought up with, with you know with the mentality of defiance know, no that they, no? that they are they were 
overcompensated with, you know, giving them a good self-image. Everybody got a trophy. Everybody's got a trophy. We've said this before. You're terrific. You're wonderful. You are brilliant. You are the best. You're the most awesome kid ever. Doesn't stink. Yeah. And you're the most awesome kid ever. Which is good. You know, you don't want, want your kid to no, grow No, you up. want the kid to have a positive self-image. But... But there's also a point where you're over the top on that stuff. Well, it leads to, you know, it becomes like... A, a, there's like a like this tipping point, like, like when you're on a lever, you know, and, yeah. and you get to that middle point and suddenly it tips the other way. And I think what happens is up to a certain degree, the good self-image is a great thing. But then it leads to... Well, I don't have to listen to that teacher. I am so great. Yeah. I know everything. I was, you know, I was. My on parents this team, told me my they'll parents, you know, they'll get a lawyer and they'll sue. Yeah, you know, I'll own that teacher. Yeah. yeah. So I and you know and again we've often said if we were put in that position we were in trouble in school you didn't want to go home and tell your parents that you got in trouble or at least I didn't uh, because you you know you figured. You weren't going to get any support from your parents, but now the kids figure, I'll go home, I'll tell my, and my mother will be in there, and she'll be, she'll have that Well, I'll tell you, job. I played that card. Yeah. I played that card in grade school mm-hmm. that I, I did not know the, the math lesson, and I was asked a question, and I totally did not know, and the teacher started screaming at me, and he got really nasty. And, I, you know, I've got I had tears in my eyes, you know, because I was a sensitive kid. Mm-hmm. And hard to believe, isn't it? <laughs> um, and he just screamed at me. And I went home and I told my mom, who, you know, the tough babe from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I'm going over there right now. And I'm going to have a word with Mr. So-and-so about this. And I'm figuring, oh, I just fixed his ass good. This is, this is not going to go well for him. I'm surprised mom's not bringing the spoon to hit him with, you know, <laughs> the one that she used to hit me with when I was out of line. So she goes to the school, and she comes back about an hour later. Now, the explanation that he gave her, and he, he only yelled, it was nothing physical, right. but he screamed at me. And he said to her, Mrs. Toriello, the thing that Peter detests he does not like to be embarrassed. Who does, quite frankly? Mm-hmm. He does not like to be embarrassed. Public humiliation is the button that I push to correct him because he will make darn sure that he knows that lesson now. And that's the button that I have to push with Peter, unfortunately. Peter's a, a, a brilliant kid, was the way he described me, but he's a little lazy, and that's the button that you push. So my mother comes back mm-hmm. from this meeting, and I'm figuring, oh boy, this had to be good. And I said to her, so how did it go? And she says, you stop screwing around and learn your lessons. Pay attention. <laughs> backfired. <laughs> to- totally backfired on me. Yeah, totally yeah. backfired. Well, one of the things that our respondents, the four of them, brought up is that's that discipline mm-hmm. is not something that should, and I, I, I get it, I get it, so, something that should not be taught in the classroom. It should be taught in the home. You should know that when you go to school and you are in that classroom, you are respectful to the teacher. 
you pay attention to the teacher, you study your lessons, and there is a reward in getting good grades. Mm -hmm. That begins in the home. And almost universally, our respondents said that. Right, and then really it's the job of the parents to job start of the parents. at the start. But if the parents haven't started, and it looks like in many cases they haven't, and I know we're going to have listeners going to say, well, I teach my kids the right thing, and who the hell are you to say whatever? I'm just making a generalization. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you listening to this podcast have done this. I'm making a generalization. What do you do? When you have that family that hasn't trained their kid in the social graces, mm-hmm. and now the kid shows up in the school system, and he's a total asshat, mm-hmm. and you have to try and teach this kid in addition to maybe 25 other kids. And the sad thing is the 25 other kids that are being respectful and are doing what, what's right, their education goes down the tubes because of one or two Bad apples, because yeah. the teacher has to spend all their time dealing with them. Now, what about uh, the pandemic? Has that? Do you think that has changed anything? I do. I do. Learning. I, I just don't think that learning, watching a classroom on your, on your laptop from home, and kudos to the teachers that, that had to do this and find with very little support, I'm sure, and very often at their own expense and certainly their own time, had to come up with lessons to be done over computer, over mm-hmm. the internet, and try to teach kids. That's, that has been a Herculean task for which very few were prepared mm-hmm. because this pandemic went downhill real fast. It did. So I, I just don't think that it is an effective way to teach en masse. You know, one-on-one learning with somebody, even via video, Mm -hmm. probably more doable than trying to teach 26. Because again, if that kid is home and he's screwing around and not paying attention and he's sitting in front of the, the computer at home and playing with the damn phone again, what can you do yeah. as the teacher? You can't, it's, it's even harder for you because now you're not even there. And I think another downside is, you know, when a kid, tur- the kids have to turn in their assignments, obviously, virtually. They have to email the teacher their assignment or however it, it was delivered. And how do you know that the kid even did it, that the parents didn't sit down and do it? You know, there, there's no yeah. um, checks and balances in place to, uh, you know, to, just because the kid passed the test doesn't mean they really learned the material. And I, I almost think that at least for that first year of the pandemic, when things were so in upheaval and th- so many kids, you know, were th- thrown virtual versus you know, in person and half and half and all the different options that came up i almost think that that needed to be a do-over year that that it's almost two do-over years i'm sorry to say well but i think the first year was the worst yeah i think by the second year there was at least a plan in place the teachers were more savvy on um, technology there was more training 
And I think the second year, even though it may have had to be somewhat virtual and somewhat in person, I think it was delivered better. But I think that first year was a disaster. And I, I really think that nobody should have been promoted. They should have just repeated that grade. Yeah, again, God forbid if you don't promote a kid. Yeah, all that too. But, you know, but if everybody was doing that. When I was in grade school, I actually seemed seem to have a memory of one or two kids being held back. Because it was, it, was, it was scandalous, and it got around. Oh, my God, Johnny didn't get promoted. And, you know, <laughs> it, it got around. But I think that there were one or two cases that are kind of back there in, in my memory that kids did not get promoted. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know one in, in my, my uh, year or whatever. Um, I remember my mother was driving us home from, from school, last day of school, and, you know, again, it was assumed you were all going to be promoted. And she was like, so, you know, did you did you get promoted? And, you know, I'm like, yeah, Marilyn's a yeah, Patty's yeah, you know. And the one girl's like, no. And we thought she was kidding. Yeah. She wasn't. She didn't get promoted. And she ended up being a year behind us. Um, I'm, I'm just dead set against social promotion. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. If you don't learn the material, you don't get promoted. That's that. Well, I think there needs to be minimum standards across yeah, the country. And, and if you don't meet them, yeah. you don't go to the next grade. Right. Because, I mean, I think... You know, let's face it, if you are a first grader in Short Hills, New Jersey, a very affluent community with high-paid teachers and nothing but the the best in the the classroom, uh, you're going to learn different things and have a different level of expertise by the time you pass first grade than a kid in, uh, I don't know, like Newark, New Jersey, where they're they're cramming them in and they just barely have... They don't even have enough money for textbooks. Yeah. And, uh, and is there a diff- again, is there a difference in discipline and classroom behavior between Newark, New Jersey, and Livingston, New Jersey? There can be. You know, the, Not always, though. Yeah. I mean, sometimes those, those affluent ones are just as much asshats as the yeah. other ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I said asshat. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, that, to my knowledge anyway, I don't think there's ever been across the board saying every first grader should be able to do A, B, C, D, E. Every fifth grader needs to have mastered these skills. I don't think that they do that across the board. Now, within school districts, probably, but I don't think, like, if you were to, you know, start school here in uh, New Jersey and transfer to Kansas... Would your materials and with your would your curriculum be different? Mm. And you know, would you be behind or ahead transferring to another district? I had a math teacher in high school, and she used to, she was from New York, mm-hmm. and she used to talk about the Regents exams, mm-hmm. and those were tough apparently. Uh, apparently, and, yeah. And and she used to say that's what you need to have in New Jersey, and you don't have to have it. But that was at given at the time. That was didn't. given at the high school level, though. Yeah, I'm talking about every class, every grade should have not one that they have to be feared of, but like I said, some way of measuring their competency 
so that a kid doesn't fall through the tracks, cracks. How many times have you heard of kids that are like in sixth, seventh grade and they can't read on a first grade level? Yeah. And why? Because they were the quiet ones. They didn't raise their hand. They didn't get called on. The teacher didn't realize that they didn't know how to read. And suddenly now they're in junior high or high school and they're called upon to read something. They can't do it. Duh. You know, but if if back at the first and second grade level, they were say, well, they need to master, you know, 250 sight words. We need to be able to, you know, know these phonetical rules. You need this grammar. You need this alphabet. You need this math. Then maybe they would have had a shot. We don't even teach handwriting anymore. No. Because everything's on a keyboard. Well, I mean, they, they, they learn some aspect of it. I, I don't think they learn cursive. I think they they have to learn to print at least, or you know, to write that way. So I think you and I are agreed that there needs to be more discipline in the schools. Period. But I think we also agree with our our few listeners that responded that it really needs to begin in the home. It has to be stilled in the student in the home environment. But the teachers hands should not be tied to the degree that they are to maintain discipline in the classroom, and at no time should there ever be corporal punishment administered by any teacher unless said teacher is defending themselves from bodily harm. Right, or there should not be abusive, um, verbally abusive. Abusive language. I think you can But get, that gets a little hard to define. It, it's though. hard to define. <laughs> you know, if profanity is involved... If, if, if making fun of somebody is involved, if bullying is involved, that, there's no place for it. But I think a teacher can be firm mm-hmm. without crossing the line. I think so. Yeah. I think so. All right. We're really disappointed that we didn't get a better, uh, a better turnout on that. But as they say, it is what it is. <laughs> they love me. <laughs> and I'm sure you all had your reasons. <laughs> Okay, it's uh, Boomer Trivia time. Okay. And I've got my question ready to go. I do too. Okay, here we go. This is going to be from, uh, I think I'll go easy on you. What song opened with the line, Sunshine came softly to my window today? know this song i'm just not sure if i've got the right title is it sunshine superman by donovan that's absolutely right okay that's absolutely okay. right i was I, I was like sunshine came, came softly, softly through my, my window today yeah but I, I, I wasn't sure if i had the right title okay okay all right well here's hmm i have two here that i was kind of like debating between all right how about this one what TV, this is from publishing, but I, I, I don't know. Okay. What TV personality donned a beetle wig for the July 1965 cover of Esquire magazine? He was a TV personality. Yes. Whoops, wrong Whoop. one. <laughs> hmm, 1965. 1965, so... <sighs> Was it Ed Sullivan? It was. 
Can you there picture you go. that? I, can, I, I, I can't. I would like. I gotta look Google. I'd this. like to see I that. See that. Yeah. yeah, I cannot picture Ed I, Sullivan. When I read that, I was like, "Oh, this is funny. I'd like to see that." <laughs> well, you know, that was really a cool show, Ed Sullivan. Where else could you see the Beatles? Topo Gigio, the puppet, <laughs> and a guy juggling plates on a stick and a dancing bear in one hour. In one hour. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention the comedy stylings of Stiller and Mira. Right? <laughs> a really big shoe. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Sonic Boomers podcast. Join us again next time. And what am I doing? You see, it's been so many weeks since we did this, I forgot even what what buttons to push. Join us again next week or next time or whenever the hell we get around to doing another one of these for the Sonic Boomers. And now go out and make make some some noise. noise.